Greetings, friends. It's July 5th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we encourage each other to read through the Bible in a year with daily progress made in both the Old and New Testaments and upward heart cries from the book of Psalms and takeaway nuggets from the book of Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, and welcome to this new episode. This is our 186th installment. Today we start a new book in the Old Testament, the book of First Chronicles. Although we will read a repetition of events in the book of Chronicles that appeared in the book of Kings, the difference is that in the book of First and Second Kings, we had the viewpoint of the prophets, and in the book of First and Second Chronicles, we have the perspective of the priests. To give you an example of the difference in perspectives, in the book of Kings, we have only three verses dedicated to the revival under Hezekiah, whereas in the book of Chronicles, we have three chapters. In the book of First and Second Kings, we focus on the kings of both the northern and southern tribes, whereas the focus in the book of Chronicles is more with the tribe of Judah. So let's get started in the book of First Chronicles. Like the Gospel of Matthew, the book of First Chronicles begins with a genealogy, starting from Adam and going through to King David. Let's see how many names you recognize. From Adam to Abraham. First Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togomar. The sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Ketim, and Rodamim. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Habta, Rama, and Sabdaka. The sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. Egypt fathered Ludim. Anamim, Lahabim, Naphtuhim, Pathrusim, Kasluhim, from whom the Philistines came, and Kaphtorim. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zemorites, and the Hamathites, the sons of Shem, Elam, Ashur, Arpachshad, Lud, and Aram, and the sons of Aram, Uz, Hol, Gether, and Meshech. Arpachshad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan fathered Almodad, Sheleph, Hazarmaveth, Jera, Hadoram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. Shem, Arpachshad, Shelah, Eber, Peleg, Reu, Serug, Nahor, Terah, Abram, that is Abraham. The sons of Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. These are their genealogies. The firstborn of Ishmael, Nebaioth, and Kedar, Adbiel, Mibsam, Mishma, 
Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tema, Jetur, Nafish, and Kedema. These are the sons of Ishmael. The sons of Keturah, Abraham's concubine, she bore Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. The sons of Jokshan, Sheba, and Dedan. The sons of Midian, Ephah, Epher, Hanok, Abida, and Elda'a. All these were the descendants of Keturah. Abraham fathered Isaac. The sons of Isaac, Esau, and Israel. The sons of Esau, Eliphaz, Reuel, Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. The sons of Eliphaz, Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, Kenaz, and of Timnah, Amalek. The sons of Reuel, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. The sons of Seir, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. The sons of Lotan, Hori, and Hemam. And Lotan's sister was Timnah. The sons of Shobal, Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. The sons of Zibion, Ea, and Anna. The sons of Anna, Dishon. The sons of Dishon, Hebdon, Eshban, Ithran, and Keran. The sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zaavan, and Akan. The sons of Dishon, Uz, and Aran. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the people of Israel, Bela the son of Beor, the name of his city being Dinhabah. Bela died, and Jobab the son of Zerah of Basrah reigned in his place. Jobab died, and Husham of the land of the Temanites reigned in his place. Husham died, and Hadad the son of Bedad, who defeated Midian in the country of Moab, reigned in his place, the name of his city being Aveth. Hadad died, and Samla of Masrekah reigned in his place. Samla died, and Shaul of Rehoboth on the Euphrates reigned in his place. Shaul died, and Baal-Hanan, the son of Akbor, reigned in his place. Baal-Hanan died, and Hadad reigned in his place, the name of his city being Pai, and his wife's name was Mehetabel, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab, and Hadad died. The chiefs of Edom were chiefs Timnah, Alva, Jetheth, Aholibema, Ela, Pinon, Kenaz, Teman, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Imran. These are the chiefs of Edom. Chapter 2 These are the sons of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The sons of Judah, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. These three Bathshua the Canaanite bore to him. Now Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death. His daughter-in-law, Tamar, also bore him Perez and Zerah. Judah had five sons in all. The sons of Perez, Hezron, and Hamul. The sons of Zerah, Zimri, Ethan, Heman, Kalkol, and Dara, five in all. The son of Carmi, Achan, the troubler of Israel, who broke faith in the matter of the devoted thing, and Ethan's son was Azariah. The sons of Hezron that were born to him, Jeremael, Ram, 
Shalubai, Ram fathered Aminadab, and Aminadab fathered Nashon, prince of the sons of Judah. Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, Jesse fathered Eliab his firstborn, Abinadab the second, Shimea the third, Nathanel the fourth, Radai the fifth, Ozem the sixth, David the seventh, and their sisters were Zeruiah and Abigail. The sons of Zeruiah, Abishai, Joab, and Asahel, three. Abigail bore Amasa, and the father of Amasa was Jether the Ishmaelite. And this concludes today's portion of our reading from the 13th book of the Old Testament, First Chronicles. Now let's take a moment to glean what we have learned from these genealogies. First and Second Chronicles were originally one book, simply titled the Book of Chronicles. And although it comes right after First and Second Kings in our Bibles, it appears as the last book of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Jewish Old Testament, the Tanakh. This is because it is a summary of Israel's history, written from the priest's point of view, focusing on the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel is only mentioned in cases where Judah is involved. Although we do not know the author, we know it was written probably in the 5th century B.C., after the Israelites return from their captivity in Babylon and after the temple and the city of Jerusalem has been rebuilt. By this time in their history, it is clear that the messianic promises have not been fulfilled in any of their earthly kings, not even David or Solomon. And there are no more sons of David reigning on the throne. It is interesting that the focus in Chronicles is on the positive aspects of David's life and his kingdom reign. David is seen as a prototype of a greater king to come, who would be hailed as the son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God. The first word in First Chronicles is Adam. He is the starting point. The last paragraph is about King Cyrus of Persia, proclaiming that the time of the people of Israel's captivity is at last over. The last sentence of the book is grammatically incomplete. It leaves us anticipating something or someone to come. It hints at a greater return from exile. Someone is coming, the Messiah. Let him go up, Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 23. These books prepare us for the arrival of Jesus. The more often you read through the Bible, the more exciting the reading of the genealogies become. You will be tempted to skip them and deem them boring. It may be difficult to read, but they are important. You recognize the names and the histories of these very real people as you become more familiar with the Bible. The genealogies help us see how these individuals are related to one another and the overall story, God's history of redemption. Because the focus is on the story of redemption, there is no mention of Cain or Abel. We go from Adam to Seth, the substitute. We follow the line of God's election. He chooses the one he will use. The importance of the genealogies was highlighted during the captivity. There was a concern that their birth records would be lost while in Babylon, as well as their claims of inheritance in the promised land when they return. The genealogies gave proof that they were descendants of Abraham. The genealogy kept the record of their tribal ancestry. Most importantly, the genealogy highlights the Old Testament promise that the Messiah would be both a descendant of Abraham and David. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke support with their genealogies that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Reading First Chronicles chapters 1 and 2 will remind you of what we read earlier this year in the book of Genesis. 
You may wonder how the word Semite became a reference to Jews. Sadly, we are too familiar with the term anti-Semitism, which describes opposition to the Jews. The word Semite comes from Shem, the son of Noah. When you read the genealogies, you read how the ancestor of Abraham was Shem, in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 4, verse 17, and verse 24. Another ancestor of Abraham was Eber, the great-grandson of Shem, 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 18. The Hebrew, meaning to cross over or traverse, is believed to be derived from the name Eber because Eber is regarded as one of the ancestors of the Hebrew race from across the Euphrates River. So the word Hebrew is derived from Eber. You will be familiar with many of the names in the genealogy listed in chapter 2. You will recognize the twelve sons of Jacob, the patriarchs of the twelve tribes of Israel. As we can see, the book of Chronicles 1 and 2 begins with the first man, Adam, and it ends with a call for the last Adam, in 1 Corinthians 15.45, to go up and build the house of the Lord, in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 23. The first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, shows how God answers the call of these last words of the Hebrew Old Testament, as Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew 16, verse 18. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 23, verses 11 through 35. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink, till they had killed Paul. There were more than forty who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath, to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case more exactly, and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, so he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow, as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than forty of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, Tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready two hundred soldiers with seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride, and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency the Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and was about to be killed by them, when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. 
and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their counsel. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from, and when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. And this concludes today's reading from the New Testament, the book of Acts. How encouraging it must have been for the Apostle Paul to receive this word from the Lord. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. Acts chapter 23 verse 11 There must have been some days when Paul thought his life was over. But the Lord assured Paul that not only would he survive Jerusalem, but God had a work for him to do in Rome. The Lord was a little short on giving details of the suffering, the shipwreck, and imprisonments awaiting him along the way, but we trust that was for the best. More than forty Jews who opposed Paul and his gospel ministry made an oath that they would not eat or drink till they had killed him. They planned to trap him by inviting him to another hearing with the Sanhedrin. Paul's nephew heard of this conspiracy and warned the commander of the barracks, who rescued Paul by sending him to Caesarea with an escort of two hundred soldiers, seventy horsemen, and two hundred spearmen at night. Dr. Luke must have had access to the letter that the commander wrote to Governor Felix, the Roman procurator of Judea, from 52 to 59 A.D. He quotes it here. This is the same office that Pontius Pilate once occupied. The Jews deeply resented Roman occupation and taxes. Felix was particularly hated. The riots among the Jews that resulted under his rule led to him eventually being recalled to Rome. Felix tried to win Jewish favor by keeping Paul imprisoned for at least two years, in Acts chapter 24, verse 27. Through these difficult circumstances, God was giving Paul an opportunity to expand his ministry and bring the gospel to Roman officials, and eventually to the seat of the Roman Empire. We pray for open doors to testify of the gospel. Paul's story reminds us that the open doors for gospel ministry rarely come with comfort and convenience. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, Therefore we are told to endure hardness as good soldiers of Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. For today's reading, we are using a previous recording of our dear friend David Orvash, who is now with the Lord and Savior in whom he put his trust for his salvation. Psalm 3. Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes! Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, There is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. 
for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. This psalm is about trusting the Lord during our trials. And this is the first time that we find the word psalm, meaning to pluck strings, in the book of Psalms. And it is also the first prayer. It starts with a personal lament. Some of the trials that the psalmist experiences are foes, accusations, ridicule, and disbelief. He speaks of having tens of thousands who oppose him. This psalm is attributed to King David. It is believed to have been written when he had to flee Jerusalem when his son, Absalom, usurped the throne and turned people against him. Despite his hardships, he takes stock of his benefits. The Lord is his shield and his glory, the lifter of his head, the one who answers his prayers, sustains him, giving him both rest and sleep. The Lord gives the psalmist courageous faith and deliverance. The psalmist closes this psalm with a blessing for the Lord's people. Blessed people are happy to bless others. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 14 and 15. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. These Proverbs remind us to give attention to spiritual health by pursuing truth and maintaining communion with the Holy Spirit who strengthens us through the Word. Now let's pray together. Lord, in the Scriptures we see how your faithfulness spans the centuries. We see how you have continually acted with the cross of Jesus Christ in view. May we do that also. May we ever be mindful of your loving kindness. You are our strength, our hope, our fortress, the glory and the lifter of our heads. We do pray for open doors, recognizing that it may mean hardship. Give us the proper mindset to press on with victorious faith. We want to know you more. Help us to stand strong. Give us great wisdom and boldness to make an impact for the gospel, drawing the lost to recognize and own Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have subscribed to our daily email commentary, you will know that we pray for a country every day according to the Operation World Prayer Guide, and we are praying for Indonesia today. May we remember our brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted, and also those who are imprisoned for their faith, that they would stand strong in the testimony of Jesus. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its many ministries and ways that you can encourage and support us, you can go to our website at newlife.org, and you can also subscribe there for our daily email. We also welcome your comments and questions, and if you'd like to let us know how this podcast is encouraging your habit of reading through the scriptures, let us know. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Shalom. Shalom.